Yes, so it is. You look beautiful. Before, (laughs) and I can I can know that because when beautiful people tell you beautiful, you can believe it, right? So (laughs) that sort of affirmation, I roll right into it. Oh, you can't stop me when I'm when I'm when I'm taking the mic. It's it's done. It's done. And speaking of which, right before we hit record, we realized it is take your dog to your podcast. If you're watching us on video. You can see this. If you're watching on audio, we just teased all the reasons you should probably think about watching this on video, too. Because I've got Bruno, the amazing French bulldog. Damien has someone he can introduce for us. We feel it might be the alter ego of Batdog, but we don't want to disclose sensitive information without verified sources. Damien, how you doing today, sir? Good, man. How are you? Very, very uh, excited to be here. And this is Arnie. This is the bat dog that fights crime down in Australia. Good to know that part of Bat Inc. is is well represented down there in Australia. Um, Steve, I also know that you have some feline accomplices that help make sure that the streets of England are well patrolled and if not screaming, Mimi is fighting crime in her sleep as we speak. (laughs) <laughs> no rest for the righteous ever no yes. no the claws are out battle. she learned from <laughs> selena <laughs> steve how you doing tonight yeah. um hey i'm with my brothers from other mothers i could not be happy and we're gonna talk dc so hey what could be better than that on a saturday evening or sunday morning in in damien's case Correct. I I think the best part is for all three of it, it's different stages of the Saturday. So pick your time zone in which you wish to travel during this conversation. You might find yourself, well, all across the world, quite possibly, potentially, most definitely. With that in mind, this is the DC Comics News podcast. This is episode number 164. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. I am joined by the amazing Mr. Damian Fasciani and Mr. Steve J. Bray. We have our accomplices with us. Bruno is giving that pensive stare, which means I believe he's going off to find clues. Sleuth it out. Show us why. We have a master detective and why even master detectives need accomplices, right? They're the ones who are going to. (laughs) Sometimes they do the legwork. They get into places we can't. I'm not saying it's because of their size. I'm just saying that when it works to their advantage, why? Why really? Why stop them? And no one says no to a pooch anyway. Yeah, well, no one with a heart. Come on, we're all crime fighters with hearts, superheroes who dream and believe. And if you've been looking for a reason to dream and believe, if you thought maybe it was only doom and gloom that we had been bringing your way recently in some of our episodes, guess what? It is over. There is cautious optimism, exuberance, perhaps even, I don't know, rejoicing. Who can say for sure what the end result will be? But everyone seems to be very interested in the news that James Gunn has released the slate of upcoming titles we can expect from DC and Warner Brothers Studios. Eeny, meeny, I just go ahead and flip it back. I'm going to bounce it around back between you guys. So just stay ready, stay loose, stay fast. It's Mm. going to be fun. Steve, what did you think about this uh, announcement? Hands on buzzers. So many Um, titles, right? It's like you said, cautious optimism. Um, while I am devastatingly sad that we are now 
clearly moving away from um, the visions of uh, Zack Snyder and uh, his uh, accomplices from the early days of the DC Extended Universe, I can see why. We want young talent, fresh talent, a universe that can grow and develop over 10 years. So we literally don't have much of a choice but to start from scratch. But the good news is, as we were all scared of, uh, as we mentioned in the last three or four weeks recording the podcast, is that the properties that we know work will carry on working as the Elseworlds brand. Matt Reeves, the Batman, um, Todd Phillips, the Joker, they're going to continue as separate umbrellas, unfettered, untouched and unhindered, we hope. So that leads me to be very excited indeed. And the properties mentioned... When you get anything written by Grant Morrison or Jeff Lemire, when you get titles like Paradise Lost, when you get titles like um, Batman the Brave and the Bold, Superman Legacy, you have to be excited. So I'm going to take this as glasses half full for sure, knowing that what I love is going to stay unreservedly untouched. So that's that's the way I'm seeing it. What about you, DBSD? I wait with caution. I'm just sitting in the wings. I'm in my bat suit. I'm on the top of the, the tallest skyscraper in Australia and I'm just looking at James Gunn and I'm just watching. I'm watching him. Um, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm, look, I'm positive in respect that we've, we've got a plan. We've laid out a plan and, and I'm, I'm bullish of that plan because I want DC to, to be successful, to be a successful product and to be a successful journey for, for all fans out there. The reservation in me is really surrounding the fact that personally as a fan, I haven't been, I haven't been really brought into some of the products that James Gunn has brought to screen so far. I was, I was a fan of the original, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, but other than that, I haven't been super impressed with, John, with what James Gunn has put on, put onto the screen. So. Is he going to direct and write everything in this 10-year journey? No, he won't. Um, and I talked a little bit about this yesterday on, in, in, a, in, a, in a different live stream. But uh, my, my, what I'm questioning is how much of an influence is he, is he going to have, have over these different products? Um, so uh, I'm, I'm cautious, but I'm positive because I want DC to be successful. Um, I am kind of questioning how they position the Batman through the Elseworlds product and the timing and the release of what they do with Brave and the Bold and when those things come out. And to me, I'm still kind of I'm just trying to digest how we're going to have potentially two Batmans cast, one in the DCU, one in Elseworlds, and, and when are they going to come to fruition? Do people care that there are two Batmans in two different two different movies and in two different parts of the parts of the universe. Some people probably don't care. Um, but yeah, so that, that I'm still digesting. Like, are we going to get Brave and the Bold halfway between after the Batman two is released before the Batman three is released? Cause Reeves wants to do three films. So, and how is that going to look and what's that like? You're going to have people comparing two actors doing two different Batmans in two different worlds. And it's, to me, that's not real continuity. So um, I'm curious about Green Lantern, though. I'm really, really curious about what they do with that story and how they're going to lay that out. I think there's so many places you can go off that story. Um, so that is something that's really peculiar to me. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking so far, gentlemen. 
<laughs> well, I think you you lead us into another great tangent about this conversation. There's so many different titles that are being mentioned with this rollout. We have everything from first we have the title Gods and Monsters, which immediately to me draws me to the animated project, which I thought was a, a really great success. And also it's a title I've seen used in a number of different applications. So I feel like there's a recognition of like, hey, there's an expectation that goes with this. And then with that, the first one on the list uh, for the link that we were shared for the story, Creature Commandos, offering us that sort of kind of fun monster side of DC, which we haven't really had the chance to explore as much. The, The travesty that was the recently canceled, it seems recent, maybe it's not so much anymore, Swamp Thing, and other projects where we were just starting to touch on the darker, monstrous side. And then we get into the sort of anti-hero, you know, I I do what's necessary, a few good men feel of the Waller TV series. We've got the Superman legacy approach, and there's some referencing now that it's got the all-star Superman, as well as a few other influences. Lanterns Project, which you mentioned, Damien, it's supposed to be, you know, very methodical. It's supposed to definitely be like a procedural, true detective sort of approach to it. And then you have the authority, which for me was always that we have the power to actually affect world change and we're going yeah. to actually do it no matter That's what other people one. say. And there's great consequences behind that. Of course, we have the, the, the really beautiful idea behind Paradise Lost. And there's also some now connections being suggested to Wonder Woman Historia, which is just a gorgeous oh, suggestion. Brave and the Bold, as you mentioned. And how are we going to address that? How are we going to feel about how many different Batmans there are? Is this like a how many irons can you put in the fire and see which one actually gets hot enough to keep building on? Because if you bank everything on Matt Reeves and he makes a misstep at some point in one of the next two projects, do we does it fall flat like we saw, unfortunately, with Batman versus Superman and Justice League afterwards? Do we you know, also have the opportunity to see the different versions of Batman as we've been lucky enough in comics where a creator comes in and says, I'm just going to give you a different take. I'm going to show you a different way. Also, the the sort of like wahaha of the fact that we finally have a Booster Gold project, which just makes me chuckle with delight. You know, we, we were so close with Legends of Tomorrow and then the series gets canceled right as we announced that we could have Booster Gold as part of it. And it's gone. But now it's since returned. And Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, now officially, as we'll mention later, unavailable because of the popularity based on the announcement that they're doing a project. So it feels like they're doing their best to get as many different parts of a circle targeted with these projects and then try and keep as many of them going. Because I have a feeling also there's no guarantee that all of them will succeed. And I feel like there's a, a lot of... Questions, concern that can come with that as well. Damien, I totally understand the cautious optimism. I'm there. I'm I'm waiting to see what's going to happen and if it will happen well, because I I know that there's just been the recent announcement of things like Pennyworth and others no longer among the shows we get to enjoy. A lot of great shows that I loved, a lot of uncertainty about how much they actually are confident about what they're doing or if they're just sort of cutting things at a time and seeing how it goes and then maybe... They'll figure it out down the road. But we, we, we've, we've been burned because we've seen what the missteps look like and we know how badly it stopped things. And we know how good it could be because our marvelous compatriots have demonstrated on a number of occasions just how good it could be. 
So those are a couple of other things. If anyone wants to sound off on any of those ideas, I just wanted to bring them to the surface as well because I feel like there are plenty of possibilities you might want to add to. Thoughts, contributions on any of those points? Will the multiple versions, I mean, we had the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover um, that the Arrowverse did splendidly, and we saw Brandon Routh return as Superman, even though he was already the Atom on that show. We saw um, Ezra Miller interact with Grant Gustin as Flash, and that worked too. Um, I think that comic book audiences are smart enough. What may be the people who could be confused is the people who have come into this purely from TV and films, who have got a different mentality to us whatsoever. But they are also the ones who shot down um, what some people call less successful, more successful, better or worse, in what we've seen in the cinema before. So my opinion is, let's see these shows. Let's watch these movies and judge them on their own merits and not blow them out of the sky before they've even aired. Um, Until that happens... I'm going to remain glasses half full and let's just see where the dice lands. Hopefully all natural 20s. I'm with you, Steve. I'm with you. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Fair enough. And, you know, the great thing is with so many different projects, it's not like we're waiting. Will this be the one to then kickstart everything else? We know that there are many to look forward to. And that's probably the last thing that, that, that I'm going to leave off with. We do also know that Warner Brothers changes things from time to time. They get cold feet. They say they're going to do these 10 steps and then they get to step three and they're like, so let's talk about what's going on. And everybody pauses and says, why don't we go to step five or seven and, and see if we can, <laughs> yeah, you know, follow through and trust the process. And as you mentioned, Damien, there's, there's also going to be a question of what consistency issues yeah. could arise if Gunn isn't doing all the writing or if there's not some way that he's shepherding all of these projects. And can he realistically as a human being accomplish that and and be successful in all of these different genres, in all the, of these different avenues that require different tones? Steve, yeah. yes. The difference is, though, um, people like Hamada were purely money men and executive producers. Gunn is an artist. Gunn is a filmmaker. I don't think he would like his films interfered with. And he walked away from Marvel quite um, well documented and they brought him back in again because of his success. Um, I don't see him being the kind of exec who will interfere or put his stamp on other people's art because he's a storyteller and he loves stories and that's why when he named the titles he named for this slate I got very happy because they are some of the greatest comics of the last couple of decades so I think that he wants the artists to create their art and if that's the case that's what I'm interested in. No, agree with that completely. I'm only mostly worried about the people who are above that, if there is, and if there's anyone who can step in and supersede, because that's when, you know, he, he's done the best he can, but if someone steps in, it, it changes the game completely. And that's the, been the concern we've had with other projects that did not pan out the way we were hoping to. However, keeping with the cautious optimism, we can look ahead to the fact that DC already has two chapters planned that will last 10 years, according to James Gunn and Peter Safran, that when it comes to the uh, future of DC, they're already looking beyond the projects that we were just discussing. Cautious optimism, exuberance, are, are we thinking too far that they're wanting to even look that far ahead? Or is this a good thing to have that long vision? How does it matter? How does it difference 
Damien, what's your thoughts, my friend? I've always been uh, a fan of having a strategy and having a vision, and I think it's you've got the here and now, but there needs to be, um, and I said this yesterday, there needs to be some kind of North Star that everyone is kind of aiming towards, and you made a good point before, both of you, you know, saying that, you know, Gunn is an artist, so, so he's going to bring in other artists to look after particular projects. He can't do everything on his own. Those projects need to interlink towards a North Star, towards a vision. This is what we're aiming for at the end of Chapter 1, which is in 10 years' time. They're probably not going to express that in its in its fullest to everybody, And but knowing internally that they have that North Star, they've got a vision that's critically important, and, and knowing that we've got 10 years of content or 10 years of products that are coming – Nothing sticks in concrete. I'm sure they're going to be influenced by what comes out over a periodic timetable, what the box office produces. You know, they've announced six shows on HBO Max. So how are those shows going to look and feel to the audience? There might be some changes over those 10 years. Um, but I think it's good to know that between film, between TV, gaming, we're going to have 10 years of content, which I think for DC and for Warner Brothers – to make those statements is, is really important. We need the continuity. We need the plan. Um, and, and, and that's probably, I'd say, you know, a tick in the box for, 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 for DC. And I think it's a good thing that DC Studios is siphoned off from Warner Brothers. So if they stick to the organizational structure, DC Studios runs projects they run the vision as long as warner brothers to the left aren't getting involved but i think they've set that structure up so dc studios are, are running it and if they let the incubation run then we're going to get some good content we're going to get some great products which is which is good steve what did you yeah. think my friend i i have to agree with that <clears throat> the fact of of it's been said a thousand times, Marvel's strategy worked because it was Marvel Studios. It wasn't Marvel run by Sony or CBS or anything else. It was Marvel Studios. And that's what I'm hoping for with DC, that this is a studio running purely its comic book properties without any, hopefully, interference from the big brother that is Warner Brothers. If that can happen... That's all I need. That's all I need to have these um, talented storytellers, writers, artists, directors pushing forward, uh, creating the stories they want to make. But also to Damien's point about having a North Star, having a guiding point, it feels like after this announcement, we have that because he's even said that Aquaman and Flash will lead directly into this new DC universe. They've got that focus. They know where things are heading now. And that's why, sadly, some of the other projects have been cut. Um, while I'm really sad about some of them, one of which will come up later in the show, um, I think they know what they're doing. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And really, there aren't a lot of options until we can get the funding together and create our own studios and submit similar projects or, you know, have our own voice in the production process. There, there, There's a limit. We can always pay with our ticket. We can pay with our, you know, choice to subscribe to different things, however we choose to um, demonstrate our pleasure or displeasure with what the next steps look like. I like what you guys are saying about the North Star. I do also appreciate the fact that if the structure is designed the way it's been suggested to us, the way the DC studios can now operate independently and, and have that freedom to succeed or fail on its own merits, then 
there's um there's a lot of possibility with that. I'm hopeful for that too. And if we're talking about having a North Star to guide and direct towards, well, one we can already direct our ships towards right now is the fact that we have a release date for the Batman 2. So the feeling of things continuing, of momentum, of <laughs> enjoying the success yeah. that we've had and following up on it, set your calendar, if you would like, for the Batman Part 2, October 3rd. 2025. Steve, tell me, have you already circled your calendar, digital or otherwise? Oh, hell yes. One of the highlights of last year was Matt Reeves, the Batman, in every way, shape or form. We've now got a date, we've now got a goal, and that same year, we're getting Superman as well. Come on. Yeah. How can I not be excited? Um, This is a movie with BAFTA nominations. Oscar nominations and it's a superhero flick about our favorite hero Batman how could I not be excited about a sequel which Matt Reeves is describing as a grand crime opera come on I need this in my life Damien I know that you loved Matt Reeves the Batman as much as I did you've got to be pumped about this one right yeah, I was uh, I was really cautious when it was all announced years ago. Now it feels like a lifetime ago. Time goes so fast, but um, I loved the Batman last year. It was one of the highlights of 2022 for me. Uh, very unique, grounded. I thought it was a good story. Um, to have a release date now, um, to me, it's a little bit far away. Like I'm like, with 2023 just started. That I can't it's argue like it's with two and a half yet. years away, dude. <laughs> Why are you making me wait so long? But that means they're going to make it properly. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, it, it's 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 better they do this now and set expectations with fans rather than, you know, as an example, do what they did with Batman versus Superman when they said it was coming out. I think they said originally they said July 2020. Oh, sorry, July 2015, and then it got pushed out a year. To, to March 2016, and we we're like, Jesus, really? Like you've, you're, you announced it, and then you pushed it a, a year out. They're probably trying to avoid doing that, and I guess there's other, they've got other projects that that will that are influencing the prioritization of that. And, and you talked about Superman Legacy, so um, I'm super pumped. I can't wait. Um, I could talk for hours about the anticipation around the film um, and 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 how they're going to go with the story, but um, if it's along the lines of what we've already along along the lines of what we've already experienced, and it's a continuation of that grounded story, and we don't have all of Batman's rogues gallery in it all at once. I'm not a fan of that approach. Um, <clears throat> then bring it on. Love it, Batman. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I like the sound of a crime opera. There is something just lovely about that. I mean. We enjoyed the moments of the, say, Ave Maria and other um, <laughs> classical motifs that were part of the original Batman. And I can only imagine if the end scene that we saw at the end of that film suggests anything, there's probably quite some conversations that were had between those two villainous characters that we see at the end, how that might lead into an operatic theme I, I think that's fun because i also see a desire to you know point out if there's something we all missed in the first movie that's relevant to the second movie that might be a really nice sort of wink and a nod and um well i think there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to that 
So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm also thinking about the fact that it is one of those bright spots. There's been some cancellation news with a great deal of consistency, bringing up a positive note on top of the new movie slate saying, hey, by the way, that Batman movie, like, yeah, we have a date for the sequel. That's, a, I think, an important thing to also let people know about. And I'm also curious if it's not just um, a little bit of a, a carrot opportunity to say, hey, guess what? Imagine how cool it would be if you finished early and we could tell people we moved up the date. I don't know how that might work because I know also there's other scheduling things to consider. But I, I like that potential there, you know, almost that impetus mm. of like, hey, what if we I could like get that. it done a little bit early? Right. And then we can sort of surprise people with an earlier release date that just picks up the excitement, that little extra, that little bit of. Well, now picking up excitement. We were talking about how Gods and Monsters was the uh, title for the upcoming Chapter 1, and following with the idea of DC finally reinvesting back into some wonderful, monstrous, but with very human heart characters that we can really look forward to, the announcement that James Mangold is reportedly in talks to direct Swamp Thing. Now, this is... This is the director who, when I was looking up his credits, I was so amazed to come across so many titles where I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good. That was really all the way back to there. Very nice. Now, I'm going to let these fine gentlemen fill in the blanks for anything I might be suggesting with that or simply give their reflections on the fact that we have a director for a swamp thing in talks and potentially more. If nothing else, the talks are happening. If this isn't the director, someone will be. Damien, what did you think about the announcement? We could be moving into this territory, and there could be a director announcement soon. Well, when we've got an announcement like that made, we know what the priority is, right? So when it comes to kicking the project off and and uh, James Gunn and DC Studios are serious about getting something off the ground. So it kind of tells me that um, there is a there is a serious link but there is something that that film is initiating as part of telling the broader story. Otherwise, they wouldn't make that announcement. They wouldn't say that um, they've got they've got their man or they're in talks with um, uh, with, with with one or several. Um, but the fact that James Mangold is is his name is is there. Um, I think mean, serious about kicking that project off, which is great. Um, I personally haven't invested a lot of historical time into Swamp Thing as a character. I did watch the TV series. I thought the TV series was, was great um, because I really, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't read all the comic books. So I came into it pretty fresh, which a lot of people will going and seeing all these DC movies um, separate from, from hardcore fans. So some of the projects that James Mangold has, has, um, has got his name attached to previous projects, um, quite good um he was uh, attached with logan which i thought was a great film um he's involved in indiana jones i think as well correct me if i'm wrong um, one, yeah so yeah the new one um so i think it's great i think it's great news let's be positive about it well we're talking about something fans <laughs> right here <Yeah>. right and <laughs> what do you think steve oh man um Everyone will know, Seth in particular, because we've spoken over a hundred times on this very podcast, that after the Batman universe of characters, for me, the Vertigo um, universe of DC, 
your Swamp Things, your Hellblazers, your John Constantines, they're my jam. Um, the Something TV show, like you quite rightly said, Damien, was cut down far too soon because it was fantastic. The only version of Something you want to watch. Forget the five episodes of animation. Ugh. Please forget the two movies and the TV show that came before that because, my God, in the immortal words of Will Smith, oh, hell no. No. We want <laughs> to go into the mangroves with Mangold. Do you see what I did there? We want a serious filmmaker. Like I said, Logan, what a movie. What a film. Loved it. That's a good movie. That's a very good film. Um, if that's the kind of eye we're going to get behind a true depth horror story and that's what i love about dc we've said it so many times we've got kids books we've got adult books we've got young teenagers books we've got lgbtq books everything if we can marry those universes the way writers like alan moore neil gaiman grant morrison have in the comics where we've got another side of the dc universe where the things go bump in the night and they're all connected what Alan Moore did with American Gothic and having what the crisis on infinite earths did to the psychic planes, a creature who was destroying universes had a counterpart who was wanting to invade heaven. Jesus, the implications, the depth. If that's the kind of stories they're going to tap into with these new DC projects. Like I said, this man here is a fan. You can see my smile from space. The Joker ain't got nothing on me and this smile, baby. And Steve, when you're happy, I'm happy. So <laughs> I'm happy. All around. Yes. And the whole world's happy, right? Everybody's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that that caught me the most was I did not realize until I looked back through his credits. Copland was one of their earliest projects that he did what along a with film. Uh, what a film. Girl Interrupted. I actually right? did not know that. I Neither did I. Copland was my... a good film. Right. And it it gave me that that sort of feeling that this is someone who has already proven their ability to tell the story about an underdog like character. And I feel that's one of those things that sticks out for Swamp Thing. This is someone who cannot exist in normal society in any of the ways that we can recognize. And I think not only that, but like Walk the Line, Girl Interrupted. He's done a number of projects where the, the main story is around someone who takes you a bit to sort of understand to, you know, get through the layers. And as we know about Swamp Thing, there are layers. So I'm really intrigued by the announcement. I also think that even if it's not the, the final selection, I do feel there's a direction and a tone, which I also picked up from the, the listing of movies he's already done. Oh, yes. And if that's the direction and tone that DC is looking at, right, then I'm also really encouraged by that idea. And those are those moments that I look for for that other positive side where it's like, yes, I know there are things that are frustrating. There are things that I could vent on for quite some time. But there are also some great points to look forward to. Damien, you mentioned earlier with the North Star. I, I also believe in, you know, some more subtle, less well-known, but I, I think important constellations that we can also navigate these somewhat turbulent seas with. And I think they will continue to serve us well. I think also the fact that it's going to get a little crowded, right? I, I feel like overall there's a degree of how are we going to stagger and fit all these in? And it's a challenge because our last story for our movie section, we'll move on to 
TV streaming and comics, though, is, is a reminder of some of the really great gems that we might never get the chance to see, like the Batgirl project that was recently canceled and featured a, a Brendan Fraser who has just been charging through the headlines, making big waves with announcements about his performances on projects like Whale and the recognition by the star of Batgirl saying, you know, you should have seen. It's a shame you won't get to see how brilliant the interaction was between myself and Brendan Fraser. Um, Steve, I have to ask, what, what did you think about this story? I mean, it's it's kind of painful, you know, to go yeah. back to something that we might never get to see. And yet at the same time, it does speak to the quality of a project and hopefully it carries to others. I don't know. Is there is there a glass half full that comes out of this uh, story for you? Well, I will just point to two words. Snyder cut. We got it. Um, right now, I think Warner is shooting themselves in the foot not to have a Brendan Fraser project out there because he is on the short list to win an Oscar for his performance in The Whale. And come on, this is a guy we've loved for decades. George of the Jungle, Encino Man, Doom Patrol, people. Um, this guy can do no wrong. He is not just a stellar acting talent. He is one of these people that everybody loves. There's no one ever had a bad word to say about him. Do you remember a few months back, Seth, we had a story came up on the podcast that said um, the rumors are true about Brendan Fraser and now we can reveal it. He's awesome and everyone loves him. And everyone thought, oh, my God, thank God for that. I thought they were going to say, oh, my God, Brendan Fraser's <laughs> eaten someone's it's all true. or something. It's all true. And it's all true. So the fact that Batgirl's not out there with him in a leading role as Firefly, again, a villain no one but the comics fans knows about and a great villain. Um, it just it's heartbreaking. But with the lead actress, Leslie Grace, being the class act that she is not crying or going, oh, my film's not coming out. She's saying, this is what you're missing by this film not coming out. Not me as Batgirl, but this kind of stuff with Brendan Fraser. This is the kind of thing that got Young Justice Season 3 and 4 made. This is the kind of thing that made the Snyder Cut a reality. Fans, people, do it in a nice way. Don't go all Snyder cultist on us because that's going too far. But ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. That's where I'm going to leave that. Damien. Yeah, I think maybe they, like, riding off the back of Brendan Fraser's, Brendan Fraser's success, and, 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 and he is in vogue right now, giving his performance in the whale and, the, and the, like you're saying – the, the awards that he's up for, uh, riding off the back of that is definitely a, a, a good strategic decision. When I think about the fact that they've made an entire film and there'll be parts of that film that people potentially won't like, but parts that they will like, um, depending how it was shot and how it was created, they could they could make the decision to to say this is an Elseworlds project. We, we, we're releasing it to, we're releasing it to HBO Max and it's going to go to streaming. Right, and it cuts costs down as far as um, uh, with theater moving into theaters and things like that. It may not be theater worthy in the eyes of Warner Brothers, but release it to streaming if you want. 
put 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 some put some money on it initially where you got to pay for the pay for the movie for a month or so and then make it make it free as part of your streaming subscription like is is it is it that bad where they can't they they can't show everyone um so uh, i i think that's um I think that's a great decision. In fact, I'm going to call Warner Brothers right now. I'm going to call DC Studios and say, "Look, just just release the streaming. We're all got a HBO Max subscription, and we all want to pay for it. You know, we'll give you a couple of bucks for it, and and we want to see it." So that's what justice. Damien said. I like the strategy, folks. If you're listening, we'll try and make sure we've got a 1-800 number, or if not, just a contact number in the uh, liner listing yes. notes for this episode. Because if we got a campaign going, who knows? I think your voice, yep. just like Damien's and so many others, can make a difference, right? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I like that, even though we're talking about a show that currently is not something we can get you both brought up the great point of snyder cut and that the future is unwritten i also like that if we're going to end our movie section about a project we haven't had the chance to see because it was canceled we can talk about all the potential that still awaits us for it and it's a nice way for us to segue in a very positive sort of tone into our tv and streaming because you might need some of that um patience in order to deal with the fact that it's been announced that Peacemaker season two has been on hold because we got the Waller TV show and there's timing and who knows how they're going to interact with each other. So patience that you just had from the positive of that last story, carry it with you now (laughs) into this one because you, you might need it if you were really thinking to yourself that Peacemaker was coming soon and none of the decisions going on right now might affect it now that they are. Steve, do you have a, a meditative process you can share with us and a, an approach you'll be employing? Absolutely, absolutely. I'll have just you been talking science. to Eagley? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to use science here, Seth. Potential okay. energy is still energy. And as we all know, energy cannot be destroyed. It just turns into a different form of energy. That's science, folks. So Peacemaker delayed, still coming. More Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Where do I sign? It's that simple. She is the one key linchpin that's held the DC universe that's been and the DC universe of now and the DC universe that James Gunn and DC movies are planning to step forward. She's the linchpin. She's been in every aspect of it and she's getting her own show with some of the Peacemaker characters and maybe an offshoot of Tosk Force X or dare I even hope of all the dead characters we've seen from the last two Suicide movies, we might get a Task Force Z. The <laughs> options are limitless. The potential energy is powerful. Damien, your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, I'm really positive about this one. I, th- I think it's great. You're right. She's she's the linchpin from all the way to the start of the previous DC universe till till now. Um, I think her persona of the character is 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 great. When we think back to the animated films and 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 the way she's kind of put her own unique take on Amanda Waller, she's she's strong. She's decisive. She. She doesn't give a shit who she's talking to, man. She's in charge. She's in charge, and she knows she is. Um, uh, and and she really brings her character to life in a, in, in a great way. So with the Peacemaker characters coming into 
this show, it kind of tells me that it's, it's, it's not disorganized, that they're reprioritizing how they tell the story and they're kind of pulling two stories, two parts of the stories apart and they're, and they're putting in the middle of that this particular piece to the puzzle, which means they've, they've thought it through and, they, and they, they, they know what they're doing in that regard. So I'm really excited. Bring on Amanda Waller. I'll be there with my popcorn, gentlemen. <laughs> Boom, baby. Boom. I'll take mine with extra butter and salt. Thank you. Um, with that, I, I do agree. She has been the mainstay. She has been a constant thread. It almost seems as though no matter what form of the DC universe will exist in film, it will include Amanda Waller as played by Viola Davis, at least for the foreseeable future. And, I'm also curious about some of the things you guys were talking about. You know, if you have an opportunity to fit this project in with her and you can see more of her on screen and understand a little bit more about the machinations that might be going on uh, that she could be pulling the strings on, especially for a number of these other projects. And she has demonstrated an awareness about the multiverse, too, in ways that not every other character has expressed. I feel that she can be a potential that's further explanation for some things that could be arising with the upcoming flash movie. I mean, one of the things that I was always looking forward to about it. And even though there has been so many dark clouds around it recently is still that it has all of that potential to tell a story in which everything that comes afterwards, all these things we're talking about right now, that seems very theoretical, that that feels like a lot of things that we have talked about, not always seen come to fruition that if flash does it right, it can explain to a large audience just what it is for a multiverse to exist, just what it means for Elseworlds and other universes for these stories to be told so that they can accept it and say, ah, I get it. This is what we've learned, much like we were able to learn with a recent Marvel project that introduced a similar idea that there's more than one universe where similar forms of these heroes that we know in this universe exist. And with that, should there be any lingering questions, Guess what? You have Amanda Waller, who has an understanding of these things, can bring us a little bit more depth where needed, explain some things that audience had questions about, and take the story in directions, as you've mentioned. Task Force Z, if I also happen to remember around that time, there was quite a bit of venturing on the part of Task Force to many different verses. We could have a lot of fun with that potential, and if need be, further kind of deepen the explanation and understanding for the fans who are like, yeah, I got most of it, but it didn't connect all the threads in Flash. Guess what? Waller's going to come along and we can keep following up on this. We can find ways to continue to strengthen those threads that might seem a bit tenuous after the Flash movie and other projects are still trying to build on this multiverse idea that might take a while, kind of like cement, to set for everyone. But should it set correctly? What a foundation you have, right? You can build how many stories? Oh, yeah. I'm not an architect. I leave it to those great people who are. And I keep in I keep in mind that there are things that, and this is what I love about architecture, there's this idea called a cornerstone. When you have a cornerstone, or sometimes more than one, there are these building points, these key central points that you can build off of. And if you keep them, let's say you tear down a foundation, but you still have good cornerstones, well, who knows what potential you can build off of. As Amanda Waller has survived through the many iterations, guess what? As it stands right now, Superman and Lois season four is still holding fast. Could this be another cornerstone, a project that, in my opinion, in the last three seasons has really proven itself in a magnificent way, captured a tone, a spirit that was really 
needed, I think, for the television universe. Damien, what were your thoughts on this project? Have you been catching up with uh, and keeping up with Superman and Lois and, and the fact that right now it still appears to be one of those we can look forward to? Yeah, I think. Look, I watched. I watched part of season one, to be honest, and and I haven't. I haven't watched after that. But it's still holding. I've, I've kept up with the progression of the show, and it's it's been able to hold its own. Um, it's that there's good storytelling there, um, and I, what I can kind of see playing out here is, I think Superman and Lois will go up until the point that um, Superman and DCU will kick off, and then they'll end it. Because I think I think the Superman film is a real critical um, uh, kickoff point for the DCU, and I just don't think they're going to have two different Supermans in the, in the TV component of the DCU, and then they've got they've got Superman um, uh, being launched as a as, as a film in in, in twenty twenty five. So I think we'll see season four, and then beyond that, I think I think it'll it, it'll it'll finish. Um, they still need. I think some they've cancelled so much in the TV universe. They still need some content to, to, to keep keep the fans occupied while they're building out new products, and new content, and new story as well. So I think that's part of the decision. Um, and I dare say um, the ratings would probably still be adequate enough, obviously, for that show to keep keep moving. But um, they've got good actors, they've got good storytelling for a CW show. I think it holds its own. In comparison to some other shows that CW have put out as well, given budgets and everything else, um, and I'm I'm a Batman fan at heart, but I'm actually quite happy that it's continuing. Um, it's 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 a continuation of of it's part of that Arrowverse, so I'm 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 content that it's yeah. continuing for, for for a little bit more rather than just everything getting cut. Um, but uh, I think it'll continue up to the point of of us seeing. Um, uh, Superman come to life in the DCU. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I like Tyler Hecklin's portrayal. He's got a dark side, but he's also got the vibrancy and the positivity and the energy and the passion of the Christopher Reeve Superman. Bitsy Tulloch, oh, I love her so much. She's a revelation as Lois because she's strong, she's feisty, but she's feminine, she's smart. Um, the dynamic of having a married superhero Marvel, what were you thinking by destroying the marriage of Peter J Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson? You, you just, Oh, don't even get me started on that. Having this married character with two grown kids and the struggle of powers at a teenage age and romance and school and everything that goes with it. This is, yeah, it's a comic book movie, but it's so much more than that. It's a TV show about life and about family and about growing up and about those struggles, which are hard enough as it is without throwing aliens and robots and super powered villains into the mix. Um, yeah, losing Legends of Tomorrow broke my heart. Losing Arrow, Flash is coming to an end, but it seems like in a big way. Having Superman and Lois continue, it, it's, it's a, silver lining it's a it's a beautiful thing in a stormy cloudy sky but like you said damien james gunn's own words were the new dcu starts with superman and saying that even though i'm the biggest batman in the world apart from possibly yourself damien superman started it all anyway 
Action Comics number one, 1938. Without him, we not may, may not have Batman or Wonder Woman. We wouldn't have any of the other characters that followed. And if that's the way they're building, like you said, the cornerstones of this new DCU, sign me up. I, I'm all for it. What about you, Seth? I think uh, I think you both brought up a valuable point to keep in mind that some of these projects they serve a purpose. There there is a degree of maintaining visibility for fans up until the Superman movie launches, until Legacy becomes something that people can buy a ticket to and see. And so far, uh, Tyler Hecklin and this version of Superman with a family has captured an audience. It's kept that audience. It's told some really beautiful stories that are. Um, very reflective of the time right now. I think, you know, having one of the children really struggle with uh, an, an affliction that is based in anxiety, that struggles with um, feeling uncomfortable in social situations is something that many people can relate to, you know, even if it's just over the past couple of years. And recognizing that within that, you also have the tension between brothers, the sibling rivalry, the awkwardness, as you pointed out, Steve, of teenage years. And, you know, Damien, as you pointed out, there there is a need for that to still be visible for audiences. And as Gunn has pointed out, there will be as you both mentioned, there will be a new universe with the launch of Superman. And not only that, he's made it very clear that the goal is to have one casting that reflects these characters in whatever projects that are involved in, whether it's movie, whether it's an appearance in television, whether it's animated, that that level of continuity is going to mean a lot of these other projects cannot exist. It, it's not possible for them. And that includes the actors who've done such a, you know, a, impressive job up to this point that they're going to get the chance to see whatever those stories are follow through but they are going to come to a close once we launch the superman movie and that could be a very interesting point another start to look at to sort of guide what we see coming our way and knowing that once that project kicks off it could spell the end for a number of other things that might be going around around the same time Keeping all that in mind, it's it's understandable why we will continue to see then announcements like our next story, which is the disappointing announcement that Pennyworth will be coming to a close. Um, I really enjoyed this show, and I'm curious to hear what you guys had to say about it. Steve, can you tell me what your thoughts uh, were? It was actually listening to you and Brad talk about it on one of the episodes that got me to start watching the series. Um, I think we got a free season of whatever it originally started on as a streaming platform, yeah. and then we were hooked, and then it ended up on HBO Max, and I thought this meant so many more seasons in store. How you feeling, buddy? Same as you. I thought the move to HBO Max meant that, hey, they're putting their money on this show and it's going to run and run and run. So I'm, I'm sad because having spoken to Bruno Heller, having spoken to Jack Bannon and to the cast, um, their passion for this show and the way it's so different. It's like, Austin Powers on acid meets Monty Python meets the Beatles meets Batman in one crazy, dark, twisted, violent universe. And this is where Alfred came from. 
I said it a thousand times. I didn't want this show when I first heard about it. I said, who's going to want to watch a, a, a show about Alfred? Boy, was I wrong. I was hooked from episode one. Um, and as the article says, the way season three ends isn't good. <laughs> I mean, um, it's not like we know that Doom Patrol and Titans are going to end with a real ending, the seasons are going to close and finish. It's going to have a beginning, middle, and end. Pennyworth didn't get that, and that kills me. But um, hey, there's a new DC multiverse coming. Um, maybe we'll see the wonderful Jack Bannon grow into Michael Caine at a later date. So <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But Pennyworth, you're the show I didn't know I wanted. I love you and I'm going to miss you. But hey, with a short show, a three season box set, it's much easier to watch and rewatch, isn't it, than a 20 season box set? So <laughs> I'll, I'll just keep it at that and try and stay <laughs> What about you, Damien? Um, yeah, look, unfortunately, I just think it's, again, it's about prioritization and, and, and knowing or making decisions on what projects that, that they've got in, in motion and then all the projects they need to get off the ground as well. So there's, 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 there's only so many spinning plates you can hold up. Um, maybe, uh, I'd correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've, we've got any uh, data on what the, um, what the uptake of the show was maybe the ratings weren't very good um i i am not i'm not sure i've got a i've got a, a heartfelt link to, to to pennyworth as well I, I remember being um i think it was 20 oh geez when was it 2017 i think i, I remember at san diego comic-con they when they were promoting pennyworth they had the walk through pennyworth experience in downtown san diego where um, you, you had this dark walkthrough experience of what the show was going to bring and they had actors in there, they had different experiences, different clues and that really got us a buzz and really got us uh, excited about the show and, and um, the show has done so well in my view. Um, it is a little bit sad. I think Alfred is such a pivotal character in the DC universe um, so, so him getting his own show I think was special. Um, and I think, yeah, we can be happy for what, 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 what he got with, with, with the, with the three seasons. Um, so sometimes fans are also a little bit short minded too. I think this will end and then we'll get new content, new products and and fans will be happy again as well. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit sad, but, um, at least I've got to run. I've got something. That's the thing as well, though, because Alfred's dead in the comics, so having him on TV was like my, you know, my little savior, my little grasp that, hey, there is a Brit out there saving the world, <laughs> even though he's yes. got in the comics. We've still got him on yeah. TV, and now we've lost that too. Boo-hoo. Uh, However, yeah. one thing I'd, I'd consider an ad there, Steve, is um, many of the shows that we love have gone on to have Second Life in comics, and there was a Pennyworth series not too long ago based on the adventures of Alfred at that younger point from which the television really show good had well. first introduced. It was quite nice, and it could maybe be the place where these stories about Pennyworth that we would all love to enjoy can still be told. It's It's been a blessing that we've seen with a number of other projects. I'm excited for the fact that even though we lost Stargirl, I have this feeling there could be Stargirl comics in the future, and at least 
there is now a fan base that's going to be hungry for that. And maybe they're hungry for Pennyworth as well. So I'm, I'm encouraged. I'd also say what you were saying about the show, man, what you guys talked about it. I ended up watching season one. It was so good. We watched it during the pandemic. I got my wife and my mother-in-law to join me for the entire first season. It was like watching Inglorious Bastards. And there were some points where I had to sort of look at them and be like, you guys are still in this, huh? It's getting gory. And I love that it really offered that first very violent introduction to Alfred. And then it got as zany and as wild as you could want in season two. Season three has gotten wilder. Um, And as you pointed, they don't know how much time they've got left. So they're really just trying to enjoy themselves, tell an entertaining story without really knowing what the future holds. They now know they've got, well, this understanding about their season coming to an end and the show no longer being, but I think it embraced every opportunity it could. And I think it really created uh, an exciting version of Pennyworth that fans probably had never thought existed. They always saw Alfred as the stuffy old guy who's starching suits and complaining about stains on the bat suit or some other thing. And now we got to see Eat your dinner, Master Bruce. Yes, eat your dinner. (laughs) What's the point of doing all of those push-ups if you can't pick up a piece of wood? I mean, you know, these are these different things that were made, right? Um, And we could see the foundation from it. As Steve had pointed out, when the show first came, you know, to our attention, we saw that first trailer. He immediately picked up on the accent, recognized the fact that it was going to be offering an homage to the Michael Caine version that we had seen, drawing a very clear thread between them. I think some ties, you can go ahead and cancel the show, but the ties, I think they still remain. And I hope comics is the future for them. And I also know that as we lose something, as old Mr. Kenny used to tell us, you got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to hold them. And we can hold on to the fact that a Penguin series featuring Colin Farrell, featuring the amazing Penguin character we saw in the Batman is still holding strong, is looking like it's going to be there. And we now have an episode count. Is this now here's the fun part for me. Is this more than just the announcement that we know that there's an episode count of eight episodes? Is there much more to this story? And what do you take from that? Like, is it like, yes, eight, it means, or it's eight. Next story. So, (laughs) Damien, I'm going to start with you. What did you think about that? You know, I mean, I read through it. I was like, so it's going to be eight. Okay. okay. Anyone else? What What, what did you think? <laughs> I think they're giving us. I think they're giving us an appetizer, and if it's successful, they're probably going to extend it out, given how long it's going to be until the Batman comes out. I think it's really smart that we're seeing the extension of what these villains or what Oswald kind of turns into off the back of what transpired in the Batman, and it's really smart because. Matt Reeves is going to build, I think, a connection between us and the villains off the big screen because he's obviously got so much storytelling to do. You can't pack all that into one film. We've seen it with previous superhero movies when you've got an entire rogues going into a film. It doesn't. I just don't think that works. Um, these characters have got an important backstory about how they evolve, about how big they get, about their stranglehold on Gotham, and that's what I anticipate this series of eight episodes is going to be and i really hope from an artistic perspective from a from a from a character perspective from an overall storytelling perspective that it is a true extension of the batman like we are going to see an extension of that world um 
I'd be very surprised if it, if the look and feel is very very different because it should be an, an extension. So eight episodes, can they tell that story in eight episodes? Maybe. Um, but again, I think it just comes down to the the adoption of of, of the show, and and they've probably got time to add more onto that. But um, I will be signed up um, to to watch this. I think Oswald. We know what Oswald becomes in the comic book, so to see that transpire, and we might get some 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 surprises and some Easter eggs in that as well. There might be things that are spinning off from that, which I think is really exciting. So sign me up. I think it's great. Yeah, exactly what you said, Damien. Um, let's let's look at this from the uh, storyline standpoint as well, because since the Batman was announced, even before the film came out, I've been following every damn thing Matt Reeves says everywhere. We know for a fact, Cobblepot will follow on roughly a week after the end of the first Batman movie. That to me already means, hey, continuation. We know it's going to be about Oswald seizing the power that Falcone left behind after he was killed. Great. The building of the Iceberg Lounge into what it becomes, the building of this criminal empire where he is the legitimate business owner type criminal on the front, but behind he is running everything. We know for a fact, Matt Reeves again has said, that Cobblepot will lead directly into the Batman 2. There's a strategy here. We also know there's going to be a GCPD TV show. So I'm thinking if we get eight episodes of each, 16 weeks, that's three months. If they launch these shows three months before the Batman 2 comes out, we've got steady continuity to remind us what happened in the first film, to lead us directly into the second film and get our appetites whetted. And let's think as well, while eight episodes doesn't sound like a lot, that's four movies. If these episodes are 45 minutes to an hour long, eight episodes of TV is four feature-length movies. That's a lot of content, and you can tell a lot of story in that time. Yeah, I, I can't see any negatives to this whatsoever. While it's baffling, yeah, we're doing eight episodes. What does that mean? I will take it to mean that. They have a plan, they've got a story in place, and it's going to lead us somewhere beautiful. What did you make of it, Seth? Folks, I need you to go ahead and write down your Steve J. Ray conversion table. We have now established that eight episodes translated to roughly 45 to an hour at runtime is calculating out, right? So we've got that down now to four feature-length films, roughly, with cliffhangers. Okay, just, you're going to need that later. It's kind of going to be like your slide ruler, and I just dated myself by saying the words slide ruler. That's right. I'm older than you, young man. <laughs> I, I I know, but I'm I'm grateful of the fact that I can say this in company of which someone's not going. I googled it and it got weird. So with that, um, <laughs> I want to keep in mind the fact that Steve, you you brought up some really wow. good points, and Damien, right? Damien, you did as well. Steve, yeah. I'm just going to let everybody take their imagines in all the directions they want to with that. Um, and for those of you who are thinking a family show is the right place for that sort of naughty material, you're, you're, well, you're sweet and you need to keep those thoughts to yourself or join us for the Harley Quinn podcast when it picks back up because that's when all the naughty and the dirty really gets to come out. And 
we, we are very clear. Don't believe me? That's my plug. Go watch and or go listen to the old episodes and maybe convince us to do one where you can watch us too. With that in mind, I oh, feel that you brought us some interesting so points. Funny. If we bring that show to video, that's <laughs> going to be magnificent. It's going to get awkward. They're going to see us laughing and, and, you know, not cute laughing, like awkward, embarrassing, maybe some snot. Maybe there's some burping or God knows what other things. If somebody's white red faces. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Between that and like I said, a quality snort, guffaw, hiccup, choke, whatever. We're going to be gold. So I'm just going to touch on a couple of things you mentioned. It takes place a week after. Right. The Penguin Show. So as you pointed out, not only a consolidation of power, but. I mean, villains make a mess sometimes, right, in their quest for power. Penguin's not always known for being the neatest guy. As it stands, Gotham is, okay, spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. I'm just going to talk about something really quick and just reference it from that point on. Skip, 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 and you should be fine. It won't take that long. With that, um, there's a storyline that references a period where all access to Gotham is unavailable And from that, it becomes something of an unwanted entity existing within the borders of the United States. Could we potentially see a build from this Penguin series that leads into a storyline, something like that, where in his quest to get all that power, he makes things worse for just about everybody, including the entire city of Gotham. And then we've got Batman cleaning up the mess in a storyline in which Gotham becomes this undesirable thing that people might not want to deal with. So... Thoughts? Am I am I touching on a suggestion of a possibility that leads? I like it. Yeah. My okay. brain is going the same way. See, I saw a, right. a combination. <laughs> the of, hive yeah. mind. The hive mind. Combination of no man's you know. land and zero year. Ooh, <laughs> baby. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I see. You can tell this ball. man writes comic books. Yeah. You can tell. <laughs> Get okay. your ass in the DC studio. Get in there. Listen. You know what, um, I'm right. Pitches and I'm taking calls. <laughs> I've probably forgotten more about Batman than anyone who works for Warner Brothers. I can tell you that for nothing. Um, <laughs> when I went to Park Row, um, the guy who was telling the stories, I said, yeah, that happened in that issue that year, written by this person and drawn by that person. They went, huh? And that's why I got a free invite to go back on February the 25th to the full theatrical experience, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Okay, so... We can keep in mind the fact that some of these things are going to work out in really positive ways. And even for the projects that we know are going to come to an end, unfortunately, when we're talking about them, we do know that there is a lot of thought in consideration. We know that it's been announced Titans Doom Patrol will be coming to a close. It's sad, but at least they can plan for their ending. Shows like Pennyworth were always sort of wondering when it would happen. Shows like Legends of Tomorrow... Got cut off at the knees because they left us with a great cliffhanger that we'll never get the end result to. <laughs> and and that's what we're left with. The Flash, by comparison, knows that it's coming to a close. They've already let us know through some teasers that they're preparing for what will be a very, I'm sure, packed final season. And a number of announcements involving that. Even a beautiful teaser poster. Loving the gold boots, by the way. I think they just, they make it. Like they Finally. Gold boots, right? They just... Man, there's something about the way that looks in motion or standing still. So we know that as the season 
will be starting up soon. Three major characters will be returning for the final season. Um, I'm excited for these potentials. Steve, I know you enjoy a good Flash story and the Flash series as well. What did you think about this announcement and what we can look forward to? This is the icing on the cake. This is what I was waiting for. As soon as they announced Steve and Amel, I thought, yes, one box ticked. Eobard Thorne, Eddie Thorne, Nora. I love that character so much. And the way she played her season four of The Flash for me was gold. Absolute magic. And when she died, I thought, no, but then hang on. They're doing it like the comics. She's not dead. Her history has been rewritten. She's one of the twins. Ah, give me more. Um, And we're getting it. Um, what I loved about Arrow was the fact they knew the season was ending and the final season was great, but it was too damn short. This final season is getting all the bells and whistles. They're bringing back all the classic characters. I am a happy man and you are our main resident flash guru, Mr. Singleton. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, but Damien, um, Arrow fan number one. You, you know, you know. Wait, wait, wait till you see what comes. Seth's got his flash list ready. He's, he's prepared. He's lighting the fuse as we speak and it's going to go off once you've said your piece, sir. So yeah, what, what do you think of this? Boom! <laughs> Uh, yeah, being a huge Arrowverse, uh, Arrowverse fan, I, I, I welcome the news. There's there's nostalgia attached to these characters coming back and these actors coming back. It reminds me of the glory days of the Arrowverse, which I was a very, very happy camper on a weekly basis. So uh, I am uh, really excited and I can't wait to dig into what will be, I think, an action-packed um, uh, full story uh, for, for, for season nine. And you're right. Season eight of Arrow ended too damn fast that we got half the, we, how many episodes did we get? We got six episodes or something, five, something Ridiculous. like that. It was, it was just, I, I don't understand how that played out, but, um, uh, this is great. I think this will do us justice and maybe it'll help us deal with, uh, uh, how, how Arrow ended on, I think it ended on a short note. It wasn't a full length, uh, season. So, uh, I'm a huge hash fly, uh, uh, flash flash fan. Oh my God. I can't speak now. I'm a huge flash fan. God damn it. All those years of San Diego Comic Con doing the round table interview, speaking with Grant, having a drink with Grant at some after parties. Like it's just. And John beautiful. Wesley ship. And John Wesley ship. Like, it's beautiful. I'm very, very happy. I will be there with my popcorn with no butter and no salt. I'm sorry, Seth. Um, I've got to fit into my bat suit still at the age of 42. Um, but uh, this is great. I'm, glad, I'm starting to digress. I apologize. Uh, I'm just excited that it's coming, and I'm excited to bring these characters back, and they've decided to come back. This is awesome. I'm going to stop speaking. I'm going to hand it over to Seth. He's the Flash fan. He's going to just bring it home. Bring us before, home, Seth. Before you hand it on to Seth, Damien, hold on to your socks because they're about to get blown off. Yes! <laughs> Blow my socks off! Right, right. There's no expectation to live up to at this point, right? There's no <laughs> there's no build-up. Um, the Flash probably is is one of those shows that I felt maintained the heart. And, and it was something that the Arrowverse recognized very quickly. It was something even they had Stephen Amell's character tell the Grant Gustin. You're the heartbeat. 
you can do the things with a level of love and compassion that simply didn't exist for Arrow. It wasn't how the show was designed or created. And from that, that show was constantly about this desire to maintain the hope for the Arrowverse. And the Flash did it in spades. It, it did it in in flying colors. It, it did it with majesty. There was, there was this understanding of the responsibility that goes with it. The great thing, too, was that with characters like Cosnet, with um, with Lesher, and especially with Miss Kennedy playing the amazing XS, you you had these characters who were flawed, who were human, who were honest, who made a lot of mistakes. And they've gone through some great trajectories, right? Think about uh, what we saw, the version of Reverse Flash, who existed in the Legends of Tomorrow storyline. We saw newfound levels of compassion and depth and emotion and desire that I think could be reflected really well in a future, you know, in this season we have to look forward to. On top of it, it's been still suggested, could be this be the final season where we get a chance to see Cosnet step into that cobalt blue opportunity just for as long as is necessary for the story. Could that be the unifying force that brings them? How will Iris's connection and their relationship from those early seasons bring us back and how is it that we can enjoy all the seasons that led up to now that we can look back through that can have that same bit of Easter egg. This story has been building from all of these points. I think given the understanding they have about the importance of ending on such a strong note and all the history they have to draw from, and they have characters like reverse flash, like excess who can traverse time in this way and do so with an interesting comparison, which is, Reverse Flash, for all the experience he's had with Legends of Tomorrow, might still be a character who's kind of on the tipping point. They've learned a lot of good things, but they also learned how to survive from a very dark place. Excess never had that. Her, you know, her capacity for compassion and empathy, I think, could be a really great development to see both of those characters shine. Her lifting up Reverse Flash and giving him an opportunity to maybe be a really great part of that Cobalt Blue storyline if it plays out. And if nothing else, I feel that there's this responsibility to what started all, to these great dynamics that made The Flash so powerful to watch. With that, I could continue to <laughs> think about the entire season and have a great time sort of rolling through it. But Steve, May I know? add something? Yeah, definitely. Sure. And, and you've lit this spark in my head. As have you, Damien, with a comment you made earlier in the show. Things coming to an end because other things are beginning. Isn't it a weird coincidence that this Flash show is ending more or less at the time when the new Flash movie comes out? Isn't it weird and magical that this whole DC multiverse didn't start in the films? It started in the Arrowverse. And again, Grant Gustin has met Ezra Miller. If this universe of the movies ends Ezra Miller's tenure... Could we get a Grant Gustin in the DC movie universe moving forward? These are possibilities that are endless. And Damien's got so excited that he's tapped the speed force, run away. And now look at this. See, this is a socks blown off moment here, people. Damien, what, what, what do you think about that? It's just me playing with my toys. <laughs> He's going out of one universe, coming into the other. <laughs> into another. Out, in. He's the fastest man alive. Damn it, Barry. 
Yes. Run, Barry, run. Yeah, yeah. Run, <laughs> Forrest. No, wrong film. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I really do think, though, that you're touching on the fact that we can anticipate Grant Gustin showing up in that Flash please, movie. Please, I think please. even just oh, for that yes! action, right? Because as you point out, we saw Ezra in the Flash TV show. Why not? you know, recognize the same thing as well. And why not have him be that like, Hey, so we're all flashes. Great to meet you. Questions, comments. <laughs> we, <laughs> Gone Gustin gave Ezra Miller exactly. the name, the flash. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. Come on. Warner brothers. Again, checks payable courtesy of DC comics news podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> and I love the figure, Damien. That's yeah. a that's a great rendition. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you tapped the speed force, dude. You left your chair faster than the eye could follow. Yeah. yeah, it was like a blink, and he was gone. That was that was it. Um, Bit so, of fun on the podcast. Bit of yes, fun. <laughs> that's what it's about. Fun, baby. And when we're talking about fun, why not wrap up our final TV streaming news? announcement with the fact that if you're looking for fun in dc in all the different places you could go one you might have landed on one that can feel a little naughty but for all the right reasons i'm talking about the harley quinn show that started out on the dc universe and migrated on over to hbo max and now has quite the valentine's teaser that will maybe make your cheeks turn red uh to say the least you might blush because it, it is um Well, let's go with tantalizing, shall we? Oh, yes. And so is the announcement that Harley Quinn has been confirmed to continue through DC Studios. Ooh, Steve, does this mean, does this mean the podcast? Does this mean, does this mean we're coming back? It must happen. It must happen. (laughs) Oh, come on. I need (laughs) this to happen just to hear on a weekly basis Seth go full on Bane and me go full on Joker. And if it's going to video, because what you see me do on this show is what I do when you don't see me do it anyway. And with with that, (laughs) look, listen, I'm just thinking about that trailer and I'm dying. Um, If you heard last week's episode when Brad and I were talking, I could not speak for a few seconds thinking about that trailer, specifically about the ending to that trailer, because it was... was Climactic. Talk about big finish, baby. Uh, there you go. Uh, socks blown off. Um, so was everything else. But <laughs> some more Harley Quinn. Blow uh, your pants off. Sign me up. Harley Quinn's walking. <laughs> <laughs> sign me right up. Oh, they're doing it on the streets. Anyway, listen. Josh, don't cut this out. Don't cut this out. Leave it in. <laughs> We haven't sworn. <laughs> that was that was an executive decision right there, folks. Coming Josh, he's your boss, so you can't. You got to leave it in. The fans love it. Okay. Oh, That's mate, stop. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, safe me, Damien. We we know how Steve feels about it. You know, let us know how you feel. Don't hold back. Tell us how you really. I feel. think it's fantastic. I love Harley Quinn. 
the fact that she's injected. <laughs> injected. Say again now. <laughs> this Was is that injected or inserted? Did it just get weird if we change the word? <laughs> I mean. At some point now, we're, we're talking about intention and direction and all sorts of fun things at that point, right? <laughs> I, think, I think it's great. I think they're investing in the right character. Everyone loves Harley. I love Harley. She's important in Batman's life as well. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but I've got one thing that people possibly haven't been thinking about. James Gunn said, same actors, same voice. Does this mean we're going to get a live-action Kaylee Cuoco Harley Quinn? Ooh, interesting. That does hold some interesting weight. Nice, nicely brought up, Steve. I totally agree. I think that would be, I think that would be one that fans would be very interested in seeing happening, just to see what the chemistry is like. You know, we've already seen, and Margot Robbie, no judgments, no commentary made on your performance. You've done a magical job, but love should Margot you Robbie. ever? ever be interested in having someone else take the uh, take the character and carry on the tradition. I, I think you would be well served to consider Miss Cuoco, yeah? Yeah, and live action Lake Bell is Poison Ivy as well. <laughs> Can we finally see what case. Frank looks like? Can we finally see? <laughs> like me, but green. Right. <laughs> so, that's our final TV streaming headline for us to talk about what and, a way to I mean, end. right what, what a way to end you're welcome everyone you're welcome whatever awkwardness you yeah. might have experienced right now it might still be experiencing and we're sorry for that but we're not really sorry we're mostly saying you're welcome enjoy it be thankful and exactly. enjoy and why not take the moment now with us to think about the fact that all of this all of the tv and streaming and movies comes from our source material and comics and comics constantly, in my opinion, always forging into new frontiers, always pushing forward and doing so now with an amazing collection of International Women's Day variant covers for their upcoming titles up in March. They are gorgeous. They are captivating. You don't want to hear this from me. Damien, did you get a chance to take a peek at these covers? Did you get a chance to look at the amazing covers from the from the article? I think the covers are fantastic. Yeah, no, look, I think the covers are fantastic. <laughs> I think it's critically important that, that you know, we acknowledge uh, our, our female characters, how powerful and important they are, and the, and the stories that hang off them. And as a young boy growing up, reading comic books, watching superhero movies, you've, you've, there's, there's inspiration there. There's something that you want to work towards as a, as a, as a, um, as a young fan, and it's really, really important to continue to build and grow on strong female characters and give that to all the young ladies out there. And when I look at some of these variant covers, you know, having a look at them again, I think we're being treated to magnificent artwork, everything from, you know, Wonder Woman through to, 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 to Catwoman, um, to, uh, to Harley, um, you know, the variant cover with Harley with her hand over her face and that cheeky smile and her kind of looking down and kind of piercing through through the comic book with those eyes. I, I think I think we've got great artwork here and um, I think the celebration is critically important. So um, I'm a big fan of the artwork. I think it's great. Anytime 
I get invested in a particular story, I'm, I'm one of those collectors that goes out and buys the various variant, the, the other variant covers because it gives you another dimension, another angle to the story. Um, and um, it changes your experience when you're reading the book as well. So um, I think it's magnificent. Hear, hear. What Damien said. People, comics art is just that. It's art. And looking at these covers exemplifies that better than anything I could say on any podcast. Look at these covers. Go on to link. Buy these books when they come out. Because something DC does so beautifully is embrace its fan base and every corner of its fan base. It celebrates every aspect of society, every aspect of fandom. There's something there for everyone. And this Women's Day thing, Black History Month was this month. We've got that coming up. We've got Pride every year as well. We've got so many beautiful stories being told that they deserve artwork of this caliber on the cover to match the heart and content within and the pages that we read about. People who don't read comics, people who look down on comics, your loss. That's all I can say. Um, Seth, Tony, Damien, everyone here, we have these conversations about, hey, people call us woke as an insult. I wear that as a badge of honor. Thank you very much. The women in my life, the women who raised me, um, I love you all and more power to you. Every woman is a wonder woman and don't ever forget it. That's all I have to say about this. Buy these comics. Seth. They had me with the action comics number 1053 with Ma Kent in the jacket. I mean, there's just something about recognizing the power and influence that shaped Superman. You know, it, any given moment, if Ma Kent speaks, I guarantee you Clark listens. Kal-El listens. There, there's a <laughs> there's a hard won, hard fought respect coming out of that cover, and I, I think it's so well balanced. When I look at the one, uh, I think Dan, you might have pointed out that the Catwoman cover is just. I love this word, and when I can use it, it's a favorite of mine. Resplendent. There is something just graceful, you know. There's something regal about Catwoman. She looks like she is. Um, she looks like she is the pinnacle and she's also at that moment kind of celebrating it. It's, it's really, uh, she's the cat that got the cream, isn't she on that cover without a doubt? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That pure delight of like, look what I've found. Doesn't it sparkle? Just that, (laughs) that thrill. I think she gets out of the hunt out of, out of, you know, knowing what she's getting and then getting it and then celebrating it. Yeah. There's a lot of gorgeous covers on there. I, I highly recommend Go out and consider that great thing Damien was talking about. How many different ways does a variant show you something else about a character? Either the story is going to reveal later or that you just get to see because, again, uh, an artist said, I know what you used to see. And I just looked at it a little bit differently from this side or the other. And guess what? I saw something and I'm going to share it with you. And I always love that gift that variants offer. They just they show you that other perspective. And from that how much more do you get to enjoy an experience and, well, take delight in? Um, with that also is clearly um, some reference material that's being made available for those who, as we said, these comics are the source material for so many of the great projects we're talking about now in television and film. And there is now a list to match these up. You might have heard me making some comparisons 
things like Superman Legacy and All-Star Superman, um, a Supergirl project featuring the Woman of Tomorrow series, which I'm sure people are going to have plenty to say about. And uh, our Brave and the Bold, Grant Morrison, Batman. The idea of Damien on on screen. Um, we're we're seeing a lot of these suggestions through He's the there. titles that have oh, shared. Sorry, different day. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one. Let's get the other one. Now, with that, um, we we have this this realization that there is a recognition on the part of the creators, the filmmakers, who are saying, "Hey, you want to get ready? Go read these." Or at least that was my take. The great thing is we have two other amazing comics fans who can tell you their take. Who did I leave off with last time? Who did I ask last time? Did I go to Steve or Damien? Steve or Damien? Steve or Damien? Who remembers? Oh, boy. Damien, what do you got, buddy? Talk to me. What did you think I, about I the think reading awesome. list? How many do you have? And uh, <laughs> how many do you need to get? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's great when they do this. They, 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 they tell us what the, um, what the source material, what the inspiration is. And we read these books. And then it's up to us to interpret how much of the books are they going to bring into the story? Is it the characters? Is it certain parts of the story? Are they really actually going to try and capture everything around the story and bring, and bring it bring it to film? How are they going to bring that bring that to life? So I love it when they do this. Um, this is great. As for me, I'm going to re I'm going to reread um, the Brave and the Bold. I've got a few different versions of the Grant Morrison book, but um, I'm going to go back through because I actually haven't read it for for, for a few years. Um, I haven't read um, Woman of Tomorrow, so I'm going to get stuck into that and have a look from that. Oh, you're going to love that. <laughs> yes. So I actually need to get that one. Um, but uh, other than that, I've actually got all these books. Um, uh, so I'm looking for I had a no, feeling. I, I don't have the Booster Gold book. I don't have the Booster Gold story. So I need to read. Prepare to, to that smile, one. my friend. Yes. So I think it's great. They've given us a list. Go do your homework, DC fans. Go have a read, get captured, and allow yourself to be sucked through the DC vacuum and go on a journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is great. When this happens, and we'll see the effects that this slate has had in another topic and conversation on this very podcast, when DC do this they say listen if you thought what james gunn said was exciting this is what he was excited about and now you can get excited about it too who loses everybody wins comic shop owners win because people come through their doors and buy these books as we will see in the storyline on this very podcast uh, people will read these stories and learn about characters like i said you haven't read the boost gold you haven't heard super Girl woman of tomorrow dude um, I know for a fact you're going to message us afterwards and say, dude, yeah, these stories are great. Boom. Do so. I'll be waiting for your written report, young man. And if it's bad, naughty, naughty. Um, <laughs> these comics are great. And anything that gets people reading them, anything that gets people buying them, I will sign up for. Awesome. Really, really happy about this. What about you, Seth? I think the great the reading list is great. I, I think it's such a wonderful way to feed that sort of hunger that people have right now. They want to know what it, what will these versions of these characters be, right? What what is it that we can anticipate? And you're given the source material that the creators are drawing from. They're telling you, hey, it's it's like knowing that the movie is going to be made from that book you love. You know the book. 
And if you don't, you tell your friend, go read the book. Now, some things might not always be the same. There's what we can translate and what we can't and time factors and things like that. But you'll understand where the source idea is coming from, where it originates. And for me, this was fun because it also mentioned some gorgeous books that I've been so thankful to add to my collection. Stuff like the Wonder Woman uh, Historia, which has just been like so magnificent. And actually, it reminded me not too long ago, I was talking with someone about how I'd meant to grab on a couple of occasions the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. And it was like right at the beginning of January. And I was like, hey, I got this trip going on. Before I forget, let me just grab my copy and make sure I've got it with me to uh, to look through. And when I heard about the next story we're going to be talking about, I, I actually found myself very grateful that the timing had been so good that I was like, hey, I'm, I'm glad I got my hands on it. But also, I can imagine for any fan who wants to know what to look forward to, if you haven't read these, you know what they are and you can read them. And if you have, well, no one's memory is perfect. Read them again. Reread them again. You know, delight in all of the parts that you know, just like these variant covers we were talking about. Every artist is going to see a different thing and focus on that. Well, getting the chance to be familiar with these stories once again is going to help you understand when the artist takes that moment that might not have seemed as big during the comic, but has a relevance in this story that they're telling in the film and how it makes connections to everything else. You're going to understand that in a way that someone who hasn't read the books won't. How you choose to experience the project after that, that's your gift. But you have an opportunity to go and find out now what you can look forward to. And I, I love that idea. Plus, more people reading comics. It's it's the best thing ever. Like anything that encourages that is a is a good right? It's a good move in my in my book. And everybody wins. Here's the one thing. If you want to get your hands on them, you're going to have to hurry fast. Because as we've been teasing for the last four or five minutes now, DC Studios has announced that Supergirl, Booster Gold, and other titles are already selling out. Um, please do not call me or contact me for this copy. This one is mine. I might even be buried with it. But no, I will never <laughs> sell or part with it. Okay, that one's mine. Um, guys, what did you think about this? Uh, you know, in fact, Damien, you pointed out you haven't read the Booster Gold one. It's going to be a little tricky to get your hands on unless maybe you've got um, the DC Infinite and you're yep. able to get the digital collection and, and check it out on there or something like that. But also just pause and take note between the announcement of these movies and maybe a couple of key tweets by someone like say, Tom King or others. Yeah, the dogs are barking. What do you think about the fact that these stories are already well, becoming so prized they're selling out. I think your dogs are, are excited, as excited as I am. Um, I know, I get them look, going. I think it, <laughs> yeah, I just I think it tells me that people are excited about what's coming from a, from a DC perspective. People are doing their homework. They're putting their hard-earned dollars on the table, uh, and they're reading these books, which is, which, is, which is fantastic to see. I think it's great. Everybody wins, right? DC are making their money. Fans are getting involved, and... and, and probably a little bit like me, like branching out and reading books that maybe otherwise they would deprioritize to read. Like for me personally, I would probably deprioritize Booster Gold because there are other books that I'm investing in. But for me now, I will go out and go and, and go read that story. Um, it is good timing because I went to go get my um, – uh, my DC uh, Infinite subscription last week, actually. So I've, I've changed tact on how I'm how I'm investing in comic books. So I will buy the books that are close to my heart and 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 collect keep collecting those. And then the books that I do want to read but maybe won't 
buy and put into my personal collection into the subscription model. We subscribe to everything else today. Why not subscribe to, to certain comic books? So for Booster Gold, I will go read that on the on through my DC subscription uh, and experiencing that on my my new beautiful iPad. Um, so so yeah, I'm incredibly excited. It's great that people are buying and investing in comic books. Um, we never want that to die. It's a, it's a it's a it's a beautiful part of life. It's a beautiful part of art and creation, and it removes us from the day to day. So I think it's great. Damo, one word of warning, brother. Once you start reading Booster Gold, he's like a fungus. He's going to grow on you. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to attach himself to your heart in a big way because something Seth said earlier in the show, a lot of these characters that they're going to be making these films and shows about aren't your typical muscle-bound, square-jawed heroes. Booster Gold looks like one of those. But he is as deeply flawed as you can get. This guy has issues. This guy has severe confidence problems. And he bigs it up by trying to be this big hero and aiming for sponsorship. And oh, it, you're going to read about a character who's going to change the way you look at comics. Seriously. And once you've read those stories, if you can track down, and I want to see Seth's face when I say these words, Justice League International then, my friend, you are going to be a happy, happy, happy man, particularly when Batman meets Guy Gardner. I'll leave that there. People <laughs> buying comics. I've died and gone to heaven. This is a new golden age. This is a new era where people are buying them and they're selling out because of an announcement from a guy who makes movies. I'm happy. Mr. Singleton. <laughs> and that One is punch. where I learn how to say One punch. <laughs> Blue and gold were for me such a great introduction to this hilarious side of like office comedy that, that Justice League International introduced me to. These guys who were constantly doing these get rich quick schemes um, and, and, Scruples that seem to have just never really manifested. If not, they were bartered and sold long time ago. Um, I remember at my old comic shop in the little town of Tracy, California, going and finding a copy in one of the bins for like 75 cents of Booster Gold number one and number 25, the first and last issues in the series, and thinking to myself, this is a great character. I love Booster. I'm saving these. And happily, not too long ago, going through some old books and finding I still had those books and cracking them open and laughing at the arrival of Booster and his get awesome. rich quick schemes. Right. And, <laughs> and then seeing the really interesting ending of that series as it connected to some popular storylines of that time, um, whether it be Legends and Millennium, there was a lot going on um, during Booster's tenure. But also what really made it for me, if you haven't had a chance and I highly recommend it. There, there was that gorgeous run known as 52, and it showed oh, us Booster Gold in a way that, I, I mean, the only thing I think I've seen comparatively would have to be the animated series about Booster being the greatest superhero never, ever, no one ever really knew about. 52 presented so much of that, and it gave such a depth that I hope they consider drawing some elements from, because... Watching him become the noble hero he could become and rising above the get-rich-quick schemes, all those, wow. Yeah, yeah, that was a treat. And Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, that for me, that 
that was a story that changed what I expected. It showed yeah. me a Supergirl who was this this woman who had never been understood, I believed, up until this point, and and not to the degree that she was. She's a person. She has all of the same issues that we do, despite the superpowers, and it casts her in a very interesting setting where she shows a resiliency that goes far beyond any superpowers. I mean, this is someone who, if we met in a dark alley, I'd be like, I'm coming out of this dirty, and I might not be conscious when it's over. <laughs> I have no problem with the possibility I could lose that fight. Um, and, and I think the, the gift for people is that when they explore these, they're going to see past all of those surface-level things you might think you understand about superheroes when they appear on the screen and they've got these bright, shiny costumes and colors and things like that. The depth, the complexity, the humanity, um, you're in for a treat. And uh, like I said, I'm not selling my copy. I'm not giving it up, you know, to paraphrase. You can pry it from my cold dead. No, um, with that, <laughs> we do have a little bit of direction to cover as far as stories that fall outside of the spectrum of film, television, streaming, comics. We call it other because when you're talking about things like, say, a McFarlane series, Joker solo statue, doesn't really fall into comics, movie, and TV streaming. It falls into that other category, that collectible category, that ephemera, that, that well, let's just say you like it when you see it, and if you choose to buy it, lots of people get jealous, maybe envious, but they certainly think to themselves, what a treat you have right there. Guys, what did you think about the statue? It's tough because I know I've got two Bat Universe fans. Mm. Okay. Damien, what'd you think? <laughs> I couldn't pick. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of what McFarlane has done with the DC Universe. Um, I, I've, uh, I, I'm a, I guess a fairly decent collector of a lot of his, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his action figures. So no, um, really, you probably, you, 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 <laughs> yeah, just, uh, he's just taken so much of my money. Every time I buy stuff, my wife gets a little bit annoyed. She's like, "Really, you bought more again?" Um, I love this Joker statue. I love how he's positioned. I love he's got his cane in front of him. He's got that grouching look, and he's he's got the cane at the center. His his collars are up, and he's just he's he's ready. He's the clown prince of crime, and I, and I think um, the 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 coloring, the hair. He's in his iconic purple jackets. Um, one thing I love about McFarlane, I mean, they're they're producing these these collectibles in mass but the quality the quality of and the detail um of of the products is magnificent um they all tell their own little unique story it's like they've got their little backdrop behind each character um and you don't have a collection without buying investing in the joker um so uh i will be uh pre-ordering this particular Joker piece, I think it's fantastic. Uh, I am running out of room, um, but hey, I'll find I'll find room. I've got I've got I've got a lot of McFarlane collectibles on shelves, but I've also got a whole bunch of stuff on the floor because there's just nowhere to put them. Um, but uh, I am uh, intrigued and will give him my cash. Yes. <laughs> wonderful, absolutely wonderful. How many times have we said on this show that? McFarlane toys are what we wish we had when we were kids because we had Mega with the giant bobbleheads 
the costumes that that didn't fit properly, the accessories that got lost, the limbs that would fall off at a moment's notice. They were millions of miles away from these gorgeous McFarlane specimens. They're just great. Um, I would collect them, but I want to live. So, um, <laughs> so I'll stick to the, <laughs> so I'll stick to the comics for now. But whenever something like this is released, and I see it, I mean, look at these things, man! Come on, they are beyond awesome. And I think McFarlane's secret is that they do thousands of these molds. So when they mass produce them, they mass produce them from the same quality every single time. Um, when people like McFarlane Toys and Sideshow and Hot Toys release quality like this, good on you. And listen, look at it. Death metal, baby. Love it. Love it. Red Hood. Um, it just makes me happy because... While not everyone will read comics, there's a market out there for the action figures, for the statues, for the video games, and then that will get people interested in the comics. So, hey, whatever works, works for me. What about you, Seth? I now, based on this episode and all of the... Come on, Damien, put another one up there. You got it in your hands. I can see it. From one of my favorite books of all time. Ah... Very nice. Awesome. Yes. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> Dark Knight. Well done. And it's so Frank Miller. That's the beautiful part of it. The way they capture the artist's style and mm-hmm. the way they capture the actor's likenesses in some of their movie merchandise. It's just beautiful. It's brilliant. Yeah. I, I now, based on this episode and all the, the figures that Damien has shown, I would like to have us include a segment. It doesn't have to be weekly because... I'm not trying to say you need to invest in that way, but I think we should have a segment called What Did Damien Get This Week? I was thinking buy, but he might buy them early and then get them later. And I'm saying if he's pre-ordering this Joker statue, well, I want to see it when it shows up. And I know Damien's going to get one. So I'm going to be like, hey, Damien, what would you get this week? Because if you got stuff. It's our next show. We could combine (laughs) Flicky Fashions with Fashani's Funkos. Yes, this could go on forever. Fashani's <laughs> Funkos. Josh, yes. are you taking note, my friend? One hour, forty-five minutes, thirty-two seconds in. All right, mic drop. Now, um, with that, there is something about this Joker statue. If you look at it, if you've read the uh, James Tynan series, if you remember uh. the relevance of that Joker series, right? <laughs> if you can dance like Damien right now and you're feeling like you need to pop off and tag us in a TikTok, go ahead. We get it. Um, this was such a dangerous joker. And you knew it when you saw how much he continually drove James Gordon completely batty when it came to this hunt that he's on. You this see mission. what you did there? You did. You did. Steve's got the ear. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I loved about that series is that after reading and understanding that version of Joker, seeing him in this statue, he looks like a sword fighter. He looks like a king. Just ready. You have no idea what he's about to do, but you know he's poised. And at any given moment, he could break into wild laughter, show some horrible disfigured creation that he's made, launch into an attack. 
or trigger whatever doomsday machination he's set up for whatever. I, I feel like in that moment, you're watching this like maniacal power pausing and going, hmm, what shall I do next? Which is just a dangerous question to ask someone like the Joker, let alone the Joker to ask you or themselves. I thought, uh, I thought it's something I'll probably never see on my shelf, but now that I've seen all the statues that Damien has broke out, yes, Josh, I'm pitching it. It's official. I want What Did Damien Get This Week as a segment recurring on our show, and I want to see that statue when it shows up. Damien, down. You ready to show off and brag a little bit when that one shows up? Because that's going to be hot. I'm happy to just tell a story. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, so, I love Fashani's Funkos because uh, I actually have a Funko of myself. What <laughs> the f- How? What? Where? Where? Who, of that? What? Okay, this is happening. How the... <laughs> DCComicsNews.com awesome. and DarkNightNews.com presents to you Fashani's Funkos. <laughs> oh, man. We need to have one of those for all of us. It was it's a birthday official. present from my wife. That is awesome. <laughs> That is that beyond is so cool. cool. We've got a bit oh, off tangent, but it's, yeah, hopefully the fans like it. Yeah. By the way, I got a nice little keepsake for you to hold on to. I dropped into the chat. Just a little yes. something to remember this moment by. Yeah, right there. Right there. Baby. It's you. It's meta. It's, it's, enjoy, it's baby. Me- enjoy. Yes. <laughs> so, Damien holding yeah. Damien. Amazing. <laughs> We have one final story in our other category, and then we can do all the crazy jokes <laughs> that you want. And, you know, find these folks online. They'll tell you how in a bit. Not everyone loves everything we've been talking about. Not everyone is happy. In fact, some of these stories that we've been discussing have caused a lot of criticism to be expressed by those who are in, well, in arenas that are oftentimes affected by these decisions. Let's say, for example, Batman Arkham developer, who is now criticizing DC's plans for a harmonized film and game actors. Now, we were just talking about how there could be some great positives here, right? We could have this continuity of actors on film, in animation, maybe even in television, maybe even the idea of taking a television actor like the voice of Harley Quinn, Kaylee Cuoco, and moving her into the cinematic world. But what does this mean for other projects like games? Now we're hearing a voice from that realm who's letting us know that there's probably an industry of actors who have done well for themselves, who actually see this as a career that is now going to be drastically altered by the idea that there will be roles they can no longer even be considered for simply because of this new announcement from James Gunn. Steve, what did you think about this? You know, we've all benefited. You, you're yeah. familiar with the games a bit, more than him, and we all know the value of the animated projects and the voices yeah. behind them. This is something that needs to be added to the conversation. Those who can lose out, those who might never get a shot now, simply because of a decision being made. It's a very, very valid argument, and in a lot of ways, particularly with some of the names that have come up in his article, I find very hard to argue with. Um, a lot of times people go into voice acting because they have that gift, that talent, where they can channel multitudes of characters just using their voice. But because of a quirk of fate or genetics or whatever else, they don't have the look or whatever that will get them a screen role. And that is wrong and that is tragic, particularly when you think that 
the two people, and we've talked about this a lot over the last few weeks, that we associate more than any as Batman and Joker aren't the guys who played them in live action. It's Kevin Conroy. It's Mark Hamill, who look nothing like, or possibly when they were younger, the characters they portray in our favourite animated and games universes. So when you add names like Tara Strong to that, who is not only a wonderful, talented voice actress, but actually one of the nicest human beings you could ever hope to meet, a cornerstone of every Comic-Con I've ever been to. She comes to the UK frequently, and she is a delight to talk to, a fun person to talk to, someone who loves her work and someone who is damn good at it. When you hear that these guys do hundreds of takes record thousands of hours worth of footage and maybe 20 minutes to an hour of that will ever get heard. That's when you think, yeah, that's not the case with live action actors or very rarely is it the case with live action actors. And are we cutting off these people's livelihoods? That's the one thing that makes me pause and think, "Mm, while it sounds good on paper that we have continuity, that the voice we hear is the face we see that does have negative connotations, which do need to be thought of and addressed. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. While I do want cohesion, while I do want continuity, I don't want it at the loss of quality or with something that might cost someone their livelihood. So that's a really deep and very, very valid argument to have. I mean, Damon, what do you make of that? Yeah, look, a part of me, when I heard the news that they were going to have continuity between um, live-action actors, voice actors, it'll be the same actor doing all, all parts, I and mean, even I kind of thought, oh, okay, it'd be kind of, that kind of sounds cool. It's a different idea. But then you listen to what this what this engineer, what this developer is talking about, and, you know, and, and like you, Steve, I've interviewed so many voice actors at different, at, at, at different events, and what they do is so special and so unique. Um, there is a particular art form around bringing to life a character by voice and not by Definitely. not by putting your face on screen. And I can understand some of the emotion behind the emotional because it is an emotional reaction that's been given. Um, and and I, I can understand that because we're talking about bringing a character to life in a very unique way. And I dare say there will be, uh, a, a, you know, a large amount of live action actors that can't voice a character because you, it, it, it's just, it's a different skill set. Um, so I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, can we imagine Ben Affleck voicing Batman through the Arkham series? Can we imagine Robert Patterson voicing Batman in a rebooted Arkham Knight game? as an example, right? Probably, probably not. No. Um, their voice doesn't, their, their voice won't bring the character to life without them actually being on screen as part of who they are and what they do. So I, I can understand what he's talking about. And I, I can, I, I, in retrospect now, I, I'm, I'm aligned to probably what this, what this developer is talking about. And, and, of anyone that would know this, separate from us being the fans, it's someone like that who's behind yeah, the scenes, definitely. who's actually putting it together. They see all the additional components that make up a product like that, 
and what they what the voice actors need to go through and what they need to produce in order to be able to bring it to life. Um, and some of these voice actors can voice completely different characters, and you wouldn't know any different. So it, it's I can I, I can relate ten points to that man, ten points. Yep. It's yes. it's a it's a tough other side to consider. You know, there it can be really exciting when you get this news about these developments and these plans for different goals. And it, it sounds really positive at first and you understand the desire to streamline for continuity. And then you realize the different elements that it's going to affect that maybe didn't come into the consideration. Right. And I, I think one of those things that's important is what you guys were talking about with identifying Batman and Joker with Kevin Conroy. Um, and our good friend, uh, whose name just totally slipped from my head because all I could see was Luke Skywalker and, and that Mr. was Rockham. just it. Mark Hamill, right? So you think about the fact that anytime you heard their voices in those characters, you were immediately transported to that universe. You understood that animated world based on the representation by those two actors and the voices and the characters. And that went for everybody else who made up the characters, whether it was Harley Quinn, whether it was Joker. Or, I'm sorry, uh, moving on to, like, Riddler or Bane or anyone else. As we've mentioned, the Harley Quinn series has made such distinctive versions of these. We connect with those characters and the universe that they have established. And at the moment we change this idea up, we we change our understanding of what has been a, a foundation for so many of the best stories that we've enjoyed. Harley Quinn came from that character in the animated series into the comics and now into live action. But it started with that voice actor that you're talking about. And when you point out the great examples of those like Conroy, like Mark Hamill, like Tara Strong, who has done, I mean, my goodness, the, the list of credits is kind of ridiculous at this point. Oh, yeah. But you, you get that feeling, too, that there's uh, a depth and complexity to someone who can understand that you're voicing something that could never occur in the real world. And the ability to go to that far off place, to find that place maybe that's completely hidden within you and bring it to life and do it with the protection of not really being witnessed while you bring this voice or sound or something else to life. You mentioned it, Damien. We know who these live actors are. We know they haven't used that that kind of skill set. They'll have to learn how to do it. And then they're going to have to do it well. And they're going to have to do it to a degree that matches what we've already seen from these experienced people who I think deserve the credit behind the characters they've created, the characters they've helped define. And I feel that there's a point now, if this conversation continues with this understanding, that there should be a form of reconciliation that can remember that there's a continuity in animated that doesn't need to be so tightly bound to the continuity of live action and others. I think there's a compromise available there. I like what James Gunn wants as far as consistency, but I also feel like, like everything else we've talked about, things are going to happen and there will need to be a degree of flux. I feel like this is one of those areas that fans would really get behind and it would probably draw more support for some of the, Hey, you're changing a lot of stuff that the reaction some folks have been having, and this can temper that, I think, in a really responsible way. So I appreciate you guys both bringing up those ideas because you've met so many of them compared to myself. I've met maybe a few, and it's happenstance. You know, you guys have gone to conventions, spent days there, hours, and met so many, had the chance to really create some bonds. So I can only imagine, too, this 
adds to a personal connection you guys have made with these characters, with these actors, with you, time, and the investment you've mentioned they put into them. And I think a degree of respect that needs to be shared from the industry and understanding of you don't leave people like that out in the cold. You, you, you don't do that. If they've been part of what got you here, you, you make sure that you find a way to bring them along in whatever capacity that works out. Hopefully, yeah. compromise is possible. You know, I think the best of both worlds can be attained. But I, I do appreciate the fact that there's all these other things that are being discussed. And this one up until now hasn't been part of the conversation. Now it is. Hopefully it will stay there. Maybe we can have a positive story to follow up with you. Maybe that's my little teaser for you to make sure that you stay tuned and always tune in. And that's our last story. That's it. This has been DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 164. I have been your host, Seth Singleton. It's been my genuine pleasure to hang out with these two magnificent gentlemen who, should you want to, and I imagine you do, want to know more, contact them, follow up, keep tabs on all the amazing things they're doing. They're going to let you know about that right now. Damien, where in the world can people find you, the things that you do, and maybe even just say hi? I encourage everyone to come online and say hi. Um, I, I write news for dccomicsnews.com. So, so go to dccomicsnews.com and, 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 um, and have a look at some of my content there. Um, I'm on Twitter. So, uh, I'm quite active on Twitter. So it's, uh, it's Damien, um, D-A-M-I-A-N. I've got an Italian surname. So just bear with me on this one. Damien underscore Fashani. F-A-S-C-I-A. And I, I'm the only Damien Fashani in the Twitterverse, so it's easy to find me. And he has CIA in the middle of his surname, so beware. Beware. Um, as for me, just uh, open up Google, your search engine of choice, type in Steve J. Ray, all fantastic universes, and you can read all my mindless ramblings across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and fantastic universes. But again, just like Damien, talk to me. I will always reply specifically and especially if you have nice things to say about anything nerdy, then you are my brother or sister from another mother or mister, and I will love you forever. At Elstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. But then... We also have Smooth Seth Singleton. Where can Gothamites everywhere find you, my brother? Well, you can find some archived stories, reviews, DC Comics news. Just go there, go in the search bar, type my name, Seth Singleton. You'll find me. Otherwise, come say hey on Twitter and check out a link tree I've got. You can find all the fun stuff you can see me involved in. Pick a platform. Pick a page. Leave a comment, leave me a question, say hello, and I'd be happy to enjoy a great conversation with you. And who knows, maybe make a new friend, which is always one of my favorite parts. You never know what conversation is going to turn into a friendship. Trust me, we told you the story of how all three of us met. It would really take up more than two hours of the time we've been lucky enough to share with you today. How can you make sure you never miss out? Well, we're going to make it really easy for you. All you have to do is... Use that at symbol in DC Comics News. If you find that on your favorite platform, go ahead and subscribe. You'll never miss out. Our podcast is available on all of the major podcast platforms. So Apple and Stitcher and Google and Spotify and so many others. Just search your favorite one, DC Comics News Podcast, and you'll be there. 
as far as all the socials, we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and fun places like that. And you can always make sure that you never miss out on not only new episodes of the show, but other great programming that's available that you can be a part of when you subscribe to our podcast platform. I'm talking about things like, well, the Batman, the animated series show, follow along hosted by Mr. Steve J. Ray, otherwise known as I am the night. He actually has some amazing people who join him from time to time as well. So you get the dulcet tones of Mr. Steve J. Ray, as well as the fantastic guests who join him and talk about each and every episode of the animated series and all of these voices that we've been talking about and insights and trivia. And you really don't want to miss out. There is plenty more in store. We have new shows popping up all the time. You can find some of our past episodes of things like, uh, well, our Harley Quinn podcast, which was a lot of fun and a great time for us all to enjoy. And so much more that we have in store, things that we're talking about. Clearly, Felicky Fashions. We've got um, Fasciani's Funkos. We have so many things to look forward to. The future has never been brighter, just like at DC Comics. With that, find us in all the ways possible. Make sure you never miss out joining us on all the fun we get to have with you. And there's just one last thing we always like to remind you of. It's it's something we think is helpful, and it's a final signal phrase we end with each and every episode. And that is to always read your comics. Oh, yeah. And with that, thank you, everyone. Right. Can't wait to see you next time. <laughs> Catch up, friends. Now.